special thank you to our sponsors of Marketing with Russ, the Alzheimer's Association, and CNC Woodcutters. For more information on CNC Woodcutters and their amazing wood products, go to cncwoodcutters.com. And for more information on the Alzheimer's Association and how to give to this amazing organization, go to alz.org. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have a first on Russ Reels Live. When I did the sponsor video, I actually said the wrong live stream. So this is Russ Reels Live, not marketing with Russ. And there's a first for everything. You know what? There it goes. But, you know, we all live through it. And I think whew, I'm going to be OK. I'm going to make it. So thank you so much, everybody, for being here on Russ Reels Live. Super excited about today's show. Uh, you know, we had uh, Scott and I had two amazing guests on uh, The Experience Live with Russ and Scott, another show, uh, the other day, and it was Sarah and Bob, and we were talking about leadership versus management. That topic came up, and so we decided to add our good friend Dave in the mix, and we're going to start talking a little bit more about the subject because it was a great discussion that could go on for a long time. So we're going to talk more about that today. What is the difference between leadership and management, or what's the same, or I don't know. We're going to talk about that. So hope you are ready for Russ Reels Live. Buckle up, be ready, because here we go. We're so excited that you're here, and this show has got amazing guests on it. This is a panel-driven show that is also topic-driven. So what do I mean by that? Well, it means that we get a great topic and amazing guests that know what they're talking about, and we get talking about the, the subject that we've got for the day. And this is going to be a really good one. Uh, it really is. So love to have you all here. We're so glad, you know, you can connect with me because I love to connect at russedge.com. It's got all the information about me. It has got all my connection links to social media. It's got my uh, email, my phone number. You can even schedule time directly on my calendar to zoom with me. I would love to do that if we haven't connected. So please do that today. And would love to do that. If you want any other information, just contact me and let's chat on the show today. If you can hit that share button and please start sharing, letting people know that we're out there. Russ Reels Live is live and we are ready to go. So please let everybody know. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Yep. You can go to russreels.live. That's russreels.live. And you can subscribe today and become part of an amazing YouTube community that's continuing to grow. I appreciate that. Also want to let everybody know that every week I put out a, uh, a newsletter on LinkedIn. It's a great way to encourage you and give you some great insight on how to really get your day started right. It's called But First Coffee, and it goes out every Monday morning. Love to have you part of that. It is growing by leaps and bounds, the numbers of people that are subscribing to that. So I'd love to have you as part of that. And just like I said, reach out and connect if we have not connected because I really want to uh, get to know you and learn more about you. This year, again, I'm going to meet with at least connect with at least a thousand new people. That's my goal. Last year, knocked that right out of the park. That's right. And so we're going to do it again this year and loving all the people that I'm able to meet. So, okay. I think that's good. We're going to get the ball rolling. First guy I'm going to bring in tonight. I normally go ladies first. Sarah, forgive me, but I'm going to bring in my friend, good D. Scott Smith, who's ready to roll. And uh, Scott was thinking, I have two or three or four people before I come in. But <laughs> Scott, since this all kind of came out of the experience, the topic, I thought that I would bring you in first, get a little insight from you on what we were talking about, and then we'll start bringing everybody else in. Yeah, we we're talking about management and leadership and what the differences are. And uh, one of the things that I had shared was was my view that management is very clearly defined, but leadership, uh, generally we just teach it by example, but it's really hard to nail down what it is. In fact, uh, the the uh, talk that I gave and I put it in the comments was said that uh, management is prose and leadership is poetry. So there's a, there's a quick example. There you go. Well, that is that is so great. Well, listen, for the half of a person that doesn't know you here, um, give everybody just a 
minute snapshot and who is D Scott Smith and what yeah. does D stand for? <laughs> Debonair. So <laughs> I, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I can always tell when, when people find my name on, on a, uh, official document because they're like, wow, it's been really nice to get to know you, Dennis. <laughs> so anyway, there you go. Uh, so I'm involved working with uh, different businesses, generally those that have 20 or fewer employees, and uh, they need a chief of staff, somebody to uh, be that confidant, the advisor, uh, oversee uh, different aspects of the work, uh, look at different components of their business, and really be that, uh, that trusted advisor. Well, you are an amazing individual and such a good friend, but we're going to keep going and bring other friends in. Okay, you ready? Here comes Sarah. She is because we normally go ladies first. So here comes Sarah. Woohoo! Hi, thank you so much for having me again. You are so welcome. Well, we had yeah. such an amazing conversation on the experience. So Sarah, for those people in our audience tonight that don't know who you are, give everybody a snapshot. Who is Sarah? Yes, so I come from a background of design, and I really focused uh, all of my 15 plus years in human-centered design principles. Um, but along the way, I realized that those same fundamental principles that helped me make really impactful designs that speak to users are exactly the same foundation that I was using in my management and teaching new managers. So I started my own business, Lux Leadership Coaching, and I'm trying to see, you know, how many more people I can help uh, new managers or leaders or managers who aren't feeling like they're connecting to their team or their reports. Um, very, very excited and interested in expanding my uh, reach to help those people and give them structure that will allow them to be less intimidated, but have something that's customizable, but repeatable um, that will serve them for the rest of their management career. Well, I love that. Well, first of all, whoa, there we are. We're all big. Uh, <laughs> first of all, let me say, as I flip the screen around, um, it's interesting. I love that repeatable, uh, that something that people really can grab onto. And, yeah. um, you know, it, as far as having structure, I am one of the most unstructured people ever, and I have had to become intentionally structured. Mm -hmm. I had a person a while back, I was laughing hysterically because they they said to me, you're super structured. You're like kind of type A personality, right? And they obviously only knew me a little bit from management because I said, I'm furthest thing from that. But, you know, sometimes we have to learn to overcome our weaknesses yeah. by becoming a little more structured. And that's how you get things done. So, all right, we're going to talk more about that. But next, before he goes out again, Mr. Bob Feathers is in the house. Hey, Bob. Hey. Not in the house. He's in the bus station. <laughs> well, train he, station. Sorry. He's muted in the train station. There you go. That's a new song. Muted. There we go. Muted <laughs> in the train station. Okay. <laughs> hey, Bob. How's it going? Hi. Good. I, I hope. I'm trying to like watch you on my phone because I can't see you on StreamYard, but I can hear you fine. And now I can see myself, so I know I'm kind of here. Can you guys you hear go. me okay? We can, yeah. Okay. You are definitely kind of here. So. Okay. Kind of Bob. here. Now, while you're kind of here, tell everybody who you kind of are. Oh, there you go. He was kind of here, and then he was gone. Okay. Mr. Dave Chrysler is in the house. Hey, Dave. Hello, hello. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on the show today. Hey, it is so great to have you, Dave. And you are, you know, first of all, you are my link to loving man, um, um, manufacturing, if I can say the right word. I was going to say, um, you got you to gotta get it out first. I know <laughs> it. I was tongue-tied there. It's really hard when I'm speechless or something seriously wrong. So anyway, uh, so Dave, uh, give everybody a snapshot. Who is Dave? Yeah, thanks, Russ. Uh, so my name is Dave Chrysler. I own a operations consulting business uh, where we are working with PL leaders to help them with their operational efficiency. So things like uh, process improvement, um, continuous improvement initiatives, lean manufacturing, um, all of those uh, good things that keep your business running uh, like a well-oiled machine and keep cash dropping to the bottom line, which is uh, what we always like to do. So, 
Yeah, cash dropping to the bottom line is always a good thing. People like that. You know, it's it's true that it's not about the money. It's about your passion and your purpose. But the money definitely helps to keep moving along. So speaking of money, oh, wait, I was going to bring Bob in and he just disappeared again. <laughs> Bob, we're going to get you back one of these days, really, because he's kind of there, but he's kind of not there. So, all right, Bob, when you're there, we're going to bring you back in. So. It's like some science again. fiction guy just kind of coming in and out of different dimensions. He's kind of coming and going. I mean, He's that's a very the... complicated person. <laughs> it's the tough part about being in a train station in Boston, I guess, huh? Yep. So, yeah. Anyway, it, he's saying StreamYards hates me. Sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, listen, Sarah, we're going to bounce back to you real quick. Uh, you know, you had some really great insight uh, on the differences uh, and maybe even similarities, but the whole discussion of leadership versus management. I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. Take it away. Oh, you're asking a lot for me to remember what I rambled on about last week. Um, no, I, I think kind of where we, we landed, uh, I was making a point that at least from my perspective, um, leadership is something that any role in an organization can take on. It's not something that you have to have in a title. It's not something that you have to have, um, you know, given to you to be able to do that. Uh, and I know Bob and I have talked about that before. Um, but whereas management really is that official title. And I think it does come with an elevated responsibility that is very easily intimidating to new managers because you are responsible for the success and the failures of other individuals. And even if you just want to look at the positive side, you're responsible for that person's growth and development and engagement, retention, um, and to be successful in that, um, you can't, I don't think, you can't treat it as a robotic process because the person across you is not a robot. Well, that's for sure. And Dave, you're nodding. Just pick that up. You're next. <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's, you know, it's easy to agree with. Uh, you're talking to a guy that's come from uh, a lot of uh, leadership and management uh, roles. And I like how you kind of unpack that, Sarah. I, I agree with you from the standpoint of, you know, anybody in any type of position can uh, certainly exude leadership qualities and, um, you know, kind of set the tone, lead by example. We hear that those types of uh, kind of phrases often. Um, and I, I think that typically people compartmentalize the, the the management role in exactly what Sarah said. You know, you, you've got this uh, level of responsibility. It is uh, generally a title that is associated with that. You generally have people that are reporting to you. Uh, and so there's an expectation. Um, and, you know, in my experience and kind of the way that that I tell a, a bit of my background story, you know, I I grew up in a family owned business, um, multiple family run businesses. And so, you know, those businesses were second generation. They were started in the seventies uh, and eighties. So it was kind of the, what I uh, lovingly consider or um, put as the, uh, the old school approach to management and leadership. And so, you know, being a young person and kind of coming into those leadership roles, having responsibility for other people. Um, you know, I obviously brought the things that I learned into those roles, uh, especially early on. And for me, it was kind of, you know, the, the, uh, the need there was to grow into more of a leadership uh, role. And for me, the big differentiator was I not only had to be a really effective communicator and hold people to certain standards and be able to communicate what those were and, and you know, have the management piece, but I also had to become a really good storyteller. I had to be able to share what the vision of what we were trying to do and the kind of higher my level went in terms of responsibility, uh, the more I had to do uh, from that kind of storytelling and visionary standpoint. So that for me is another 
piece of the differentiator between leadership and manager. You have to be a, a good storyteller. You have to get people on your side. You have to listen to people, um, you know, to their ideas, to their input, all of those things. So I'll pause there so I don't keep talking. <laughs> no, we like when you keep talking. It's all good. It's all good. Well, listen, one thing that we talked about last time that I brought up is, um, you know, it's it's important to realize that everybody is a leader at some point. Uh, because we all are leading by example. And just like Bob said in the comments, leadership is action. We are taking action and we're leading by example. And Scott, I'm going to bounce to you on this one because, um, you know, I think that uh, one thing that Sarah said, and Scott, you can comment on this, and that is every leader is not a manager and every manager is not really a leader. They don't always go together. Scott? Well, it's, a, you know, both of them are skill sets. Then there's, uh, so I put the link to the video that I put, the Ignite video on management and leadership. Both of them are skills. Both of them. And, and the question was, do you need management or leadership? And the answer is always both. You need to do both, right? So management clearly defined plan, organize, lead, and control. So plan, figure out what the heck you want to get done, organize, uh, gather all the right resources and people, lead. This is a supervisory sense so that people know when and where to be and they have those tools uh, and control. Measure, are you achieving what you hope to do? So that's all management is. And that's just a skill set. We check those things off. Uh, and then uh, we go to leadership. And leadership, and this goes back to uh, both uh, Sarah and Dave, what you were talking about. When uh, when I was the interim general manager for an upholstered furniture company, we had a 170,000 square foot facility with 150 employees. And I'd bring people into that front office and we'd talk and show them some stuff. And then take them up on this deck where we had samples of the product, but then we could look out over the whole factory. And I'd tell them, you know, we got 150 families that I'm responsible for. And I don't take that responsibility lightly. So, when you're going to lead the people, uh, and Dave, this goes back to the uh, the storytelling side of it. The first tenet there is communicate vision. And when you communicate vision, you're reaching out into the future and grabbing a hold of a piece of that and bringing it in and going, this is what it's going to be like. And that's why you're doing what you're doing. And people know where they fit, right? They know how they are moving everyone forward. And, and then the second tenet is build trust. And this isn't trust between the leader and the follower. This is, this is the trust between all of the people working together, you know, so that uh, Dave, Sarah, and I, I know that Sarah is going to do her part. I don't need to overplay and do her responsibility. And the same thing for Dave. Dave knows that I'll do my part and he doesn't need to jump in. We trust each other to do what's, what's important. Inspire greatness. That is truly just the coaching side of it and getting people to do things that they didn't think they could do because uh, we have so much potential that we will surprise ourselves. And then that final step, that report card is move others to action. So you, you can say all these great things and people walk out and they go, wow, Sarah is so inspiring. But if they don't do anything different, she's a motivational speaker, not a leader. Right. No, exactly. Well, and I think that one thing about that, Scott, too, is um, that, you know, it, it takes it's just the action piece that I keep thinking about. And Bob was bringing out he brought a point up that I was reading uh, that says is bringing the things together. Like you said, both. Right. You need both of them. Mm -hmm. And it's bringing those things together so that you have somebody, especially those that are managing people. Uh, really in that leadership role, which sometimes is hard for people, right, Sarah? Yeah, it's it's really hard. And I think, unfortunately, so many people go and, and exude leadership skills and show leadership skills, especially, you know, maybe early in their career, and it gets people's attention. And I think that can get mistaken or, or assume that that person can just go from successfully doing what they're doing with leadership and then you slap a management title on them. But if you don't support them and give them the right tools and framework to make that transition, 
one or both of the areas are going to suffer drastically. You're either going to lose one of your best leaders because they're so overconsumed with management responsibilities and worrying about that and trying to be perfect. And I, I've, I've seen so many uh, beginning managers almost put on this facade of what they think a manager is, and they try to pretend and, and fit into that. And there goes your brilliant leader who was inspiring people to action. Now they're like a shell of what they were. And, you know, what you, what I think, at least for me, ideally you want both. You, like you said, you want a leader and a manager together. Um, but I think, like I said, so many people get yanked out of one and, and thrust into the other without the support or, or guidance. Right. And then you just lost something really beautiful. Right. The tools and the, and the things they need to actually accomplish what they need to accomplish. And Dave, what do you think about the fact there's people that say, listen, I don't, I don't want to manage and I'm not really a leader. Well, I would say to them, well, you are a leader because there's people around you watching you all day long and how you're doing your job. And so whether you really want to be a leader or not, to some people somewhere around you, you are that leader, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of uh, leadership by default in some cases. And and I've seen it both ways, right? You can, we often, you know, especially in this conversation, we're kind of focusing on the the positivity uh, that, that often kind of follows from that leadership, but it can go the other way too, right? Um, and that, that to me, I think is an important topic because sometimes people shy away from kind of the negative side of it. And what I really mean by that is, you know, everybody has come across somebody who, uh, maybe isn't their ideal person in a particular work center or department. And so that negativity can be a leading, uh, you know, a leadership characteristics as well. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it does go both ways. Um, and I think, you know, back to the, the part in terms of maybe not wanting to move from a leadership role or recognizing themselves as a leader, um, or, you know, wanting to move from that leadership role into, uh, a more of a management role. You know, a lot of that I think goes back to what Sarah said, and, and that is giving people the appropriate tools and support. You know, it's, it's interesting because <clears throat> I saw this comment a few weeks ago and I just did, I, I had to file it because it was just so perfect. Um, and, and the comment was really around kind of the stuff that I do on a day-to-day -day basis and talking through uh, continuous improvement, lean manufacturing, like the principles there, right? And you guys are all familiar with those things. And the comment was really about, you know, we say as kind of professionals within, within those skill sets that you know, often there aren't anything such as people problems, right? Uh, most things are system problems, process problems, those types of things. Uh, but yet at the same time, many of us like to blame kind of leadership or management uh, in terms of being the roadblock for why progress isn't being made. And so I thought it was a really interesting comment because again, it gets back to what we're talking about. And my perspective is always, you know, and, and again, I, it's because I, I uh, lived this life for so many years. Uh, so it's that firsthand experience. But, you know, when, when, when you don't give folks that you're trying to get into a leadership and management position, um, when you don't give them access to the tools and support uh, and give them a bit of a roadmap and, and obviously letting them make mistakes and, and all of those things along the way, that's really where, you know, kind of that stagnation happens. You can have a lot of uh, undue turnover, those types of things. There's, there's a lot of uh, kind of, um, uh, things that we don't like to see throughout organizations happen in those scenarios. Um, right. So yeah, again, I'll, I'll kind of pause there and, and circle back to the group, but. Well, I want to jump back to something you first said, Dave, and that is, you know, you can lead from negative, from a negative position, right? Uh, people, the way they speak, the way they talk, I just want to, you know, being a man of faith, I can go back to scripture that says we can lift people up or tear them down, right? Is it good to, lift people up and make them feel better and work with them, collaborate and everybody have a feeling that we're going in the same direction. Is that a good thing? And to be positive, or is it better to tear people down, tell them how nasty they are so I can feel better, right? How terrible they are because I'm a better person. Well, people that say that clearly 
are suffering from insecurity to begin with. But we really got to think about that because that happens in business all the time, right, Sarah? People are coming from a negative position because they're trying to make themselves look better, but it really doesn't do that for them, does it? It it doesn't, you know, unless you, the worst case scenario is you could have an entire company, uh, all levels thinking that way. And yeah, maybe you'd get ahead in that type of situation. But do you really want to? I want it. Um, but it's it's amazing the impact that managers have on their direct reports. And again, I think that goes back to why it's so intimidating. Um, I read an article a little bit ago, um, I wanna say it was by Forbes, but it was talking about, I wanna say it was about saying like about 63% of the people polled said that their managers had more of an impact of their mental health than their significant others or any other category. That's a that's a heavy weight. That's a heavy weight to put on a manager. And, you know, if if you don't help managers be the best that they can, and I love what you said, Dave, allow them space to fail right. in a way that isn't going to be catastrophic. Mm -hmm. um, give them those tools, give them that space. Otherwise, you will end <clears throat> up with that toxic leader who's just like, why do I even care? You know, nothing's worth pursuing or, you know, right. I'm sure we've all worked in and around somebody like that, like you said. Um, and it's, it's just, man, it sucks you just dry of any will to enjoy your job. Right. And that's not the kind of leadership we, that we want, right, Scott? I mean, if you have managers that are leading people from that thing, it really pulls everybody down and, mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's where it becomes so critical for people to think about, you know, where are they coming from? How are they dealing with people as people uh, through this process? Yeah, it, this is one of those fallacies that we we believe that we can build job security by making ourselves indispensable. Right. And and nobody is indispensable that we can all be replaced. And uh, as the manager and in, in taking on the leadership aspects of, of management. You win when the team does good and you give credit to the team. The team did great. We, we succeeded. We were under budget. We were ahead of schedule. We did all these great things. It was my team that came together and did that. And if you're over budget and the project isn't complete and things fell apart and uh, that's when you step in and you say, I did a bad job, right? I mean, this is this is this is part of how it works, and and um, you know, and I love this too, uh, Sarah and Dave. You're both talking about this. Uh, the quote I often use is, "Is we develop leaders by creating opportunities where failure is an option." So if you want to teach someone to negotiate third-party contracts, then put them in charge of uh, of the um, janitorial supplies to begin with, right? So if the load of toilet paper doesn't show up, that's all right, right? But if a critical line down component doesn't show up because you put them in charge of that right out of the gate, uh, you, could you could lose the business. So right. here in that case is not an option. The toilet paper, who cares? Yeah, we definitely don't want doctors doing surgery on us that might make those mistakes. That would not be good. Um, but, you know, I was thinking uh, what you were saying there, Scott, about, you know, allowing people space to fail, people to grow. You know, when you're in an environment, and Bob said it here a while back in the comments, when you're creating a good culture and a good yes. environment and you're leading people by a positive example, people want to work. They want to do things for you, right, Dave? They want to they be better at the job and the, for the company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of one of the the things that I always give a half smirk about when I'm in conversations with, you know, with leadership folks and, and business owners uh, likewise, because, you know, you hear things right. Oh, the the you know, young people today have no work ethic. Right. 
Well, I mean, sure. I'm sure there are some out there who don't have a work ethic, you know, just like there are some older folks out there that don't have a work ethic. Right. So, you know, you hear these types of blanket statements um, and, you know, it's that has not really changed over the course of time. Um, and it's interesting to me because when you walk into an, an organization that has developed that type of culture, that has a visionary leaders that uh, communicate very clearly that back to what uh, Scott, you said, you know, that tie kind of the, the, the vision to what happens on a day-to-day -day basis and people feel that from an individual perspective, that's another component of that. Um, when all of that is happening and that culture is just clicking right? That's what attracts and retains top talent. Okay. So if you're struggling and uh, to retain your really great people, if you're struggling to attract new people, those are the first places that I start to look. I start asking questions, you know, show me some of your process documentation, you know, oh, well, we have it here. We have it. Well, when's the last time it was updated? When's the last time you, uh, you know, started to engage people and, and truly listen to the things that are slowing them down? Not just your perception of the things that are slowing them down because, oh, by the way, it's probably been, you know, at the very least a couple of months, but more than likely a few years since you've been directly responsible for, you know, that particular process, that particular operation. So to me, there's a very clear difference when you walk into an organization, you start to have these types of conversations and it's pretty easy to compartmentalize, you know, the folks that are, are saying things that, you know, well, nobody out here wants to work. We're always making these types of mistakes. These people aren't doing X, Y, Z. It's, it's very easy to pick up on language like that. And, and, and conversely, the, the positive people that are using we type language, our, it's my mistake as the owner, it's my mistake as the leader, those types of things. Uh, so for me, that's the big difference, right? When you have that positive culture, when you're doing these things the right way, um, Chances are business is crazy, business is booming, even in downed economies, you don't struggle hiring and retaining amazing people. Um, you know, so yeah, people are attracted to those types of things and and they repel like we have seen uh, coming out of COVID with the whole remote work push, all of that, right? To me, a lot of that is more so on the culture aspect and the leadership aspect uh, than any other component of it, so... Yeah, and I like what you said. Um, you know, when um, you are um, creating that positive culture and uh, you are listening to your team, right, and they feel like they're part of the team, they're immediately going to be more productive and more positive about their job, right, Sarah? Yeah, they are. Individualization, I think, is such a crucial aspect in management. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's a very hard thing to do because you want to just, you want to have a process for management. And a lot of people then want to do the same thing for every individual. And you just can't do that. Um, you have to spend the time, set the foundation, learn what that person needs and wants. Um, you know, when we had our last uh session last week, I used the example of, I've had people that I've managed that, you know, I asked them, how do you want to receive praise? Because some people want you to scream it in front of the whole team and show everybody how amazing they are. And I've had other people who, if I did that, they would be mortified and would shut down and <laughs> just, just stop. Like they, they move, makes their skin crawl. So you really, really have to spend the time and, and understand what does each individual need to succeed and what do they need to, to all of your points, what do they need to be able to see themselves in that vision? You know, I think management and leadership, we all can spend a lot of time in that vision and creating that vision and, oh, it's so good. Look at this vision. And you forget how you have to use storytelling, like you said, Dave, bring people along on the journey that you spent the last six months or whatever it was as a leadership team coming up with this vision, bring them along, catch them up, show the big pretty vision, but then go right back to them 
in an individual way and help them understand their connection to that vision. Um, well, yeah. No, I was just going to say that is, what you just said is brilliant. Show them the, their connection to the vision, right? Yep. Or let them allow them to see their connection to the vision, right? Yep. Um, because when people are part of what's going on, it, it's just, you know, you got the C-suite up here making all the decisions and the people down on the manufacturing floor are saying, this is a bunch of garbage. It doesn't work. And they want us to do this way. It's never going to happen because they have no idea what's happening down here. And unless they get down on the floor and on their knees and listen to people that are working at it, it's not going to happen. Right, Scott? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I love the comments and Bob's wrote this up too about culture and that was Peter Drucker management guru famously said culture eats strategy for breakfast that's the beginning of the day that's the most important meal of the day by the way so 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 here's the deal i go into a chain drugstore locally here and every time that i went in there the the people were rude they they didn't greet you they uh, were very curt uh and you watched and you could tell they were stressed out they didn't have enough people to do what needed to be done. And I remember coming back and telling my wife that I blame the management, the leadership of that uh, chain because they've created a cult. They, they can't hire people because they can't attract pe people. As Dave said, this is the, the culture, the habitat. We uh, say it's the habitat uh, repels the people that they need. And it only attracts the people that can't get a job anywhere else. So they're not able to get. Now, on the other hand, I was talking to uh, a lady who is a she's a fixer and she works for uh, one of the cell phone companies, the big cell phone companies. She goes to different stores and she builds a culture within that store. And when I was talking to her about the way she worked and what she did, I asked her, I bet you have no problem attracting the best people to come and work for you. She said, no. I have a line of people waiting for an opening to come to my store to work because she created a culture that values people. And, and this is, this is a key item. And th this is frontline middle management, senior management, individual contributors, whatever their role is, it's if they don't feel valued and people in, in the research will show that people don't quit a company they leave their manager. Right. They quit people. Exactly. Well, you know, Dave, we're going to bounce back to you on that one because you did, uh, we're talking about that culture thing. And what Scott is saying is so true. If people don't see the vision, if they don't feel like they're part of what's going on, and if they are stressed out and, and the culture is such that they hate their job, what do they do to the customers? If they're in a retail situation, you sit there in the checkout line and they tell you about all the lousy things that the company is doing to them. And you're thinking, that is not good. That's not a good way to attract good customers. <laughs> so go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I mean, and it happens everywhere, right? Like yeah. it happens in B2B scenarios every day. Um, you know, think about a time that you called, uh, you know, any type of business, um, in your, in your day-to-day -day life. Right. Uh, and think about if you really listen to what people say, have you ever heard somebody on a call, uh, say something like, ah, oh, my system's running really slow. You know, ah, we got this new system. They don't really give us a whole lot of training on this new system. It's slowing us down. Right. And you hear all these different types of things. I mean, you know, over the course of time, right, all of those types of decisions, all of those types of communications that happen, and ultimately working back to that culture piece, right, that's what ends up impacting uh, people on the ground level, people throughout leadership. Um, and, you know, it doesn't take very much time or very much um uh, kind of uh, turbulence, if you will, to reach a customer. And, you know, I know if I'm calling a place, who would I rather call? A place that I know I'm going to get helped and get serviced and get taken care of and it's going to be a really simple process 
or am I going to want to call the place that I know I'm going to hear about how, you know, this is a problem and that's a problem. And, you know, I'd like to do this, but we can't, we're not allowed to, they won't let me do these types of things. You know, um, I unfortunately have been, uh, on too many of those calls, uh, throughout my life. And, uh, you know, I know who I would rather talk to. Um, uh, I'll share one more, one more kind of quick story, uh, because it's, it's again, one I'll just never forget, but, uh, you know, it was, it was in, uh, in kind of the early days of COVID and I was, uh, out driving down, uh, down the street, headed, headed to the office. And I, I saw this sign on the side of the road and it caught my eye because it was just one of those things. And the sign said, I actually had to turn around and go back and take a picture. So I still have a picture of this thing in my phone. And I, I just kind of lovingly go back to it because it's such a perfect reminder of this conversation. And the sign was simply uh, <laughs> a big, if you can imagine on the side of a road, you know, a big A-frame type of a sign. And it said, uh, you know, unreliable need not apply, right? Now hiring, <laughs> okay? And to me, it just, it just speaks volumes to, you know, that organization to, to, to have the, the thought process of that this was going to be the thing to really shake some amazing people loose, right? That was the first interaction that we're putting out into the marketplace that we already have an, an impression that most people are unreliable. Therefore, if you consider yourself unreliable, don't even come into my establishment, you know, to fill out an application. So I, I just, I felt like it was a good way to capture uh, a bit of what we're talking about. And, and again, it's, uh, it's those little things that constantly add up. And, and to everybody's point, uh, people very much quit people. Um, and just like people buy from people, um, you know, those, those relationships are what make things happen positively and negatively. So, um, you know, it takes a long time to, uh, to be, uh, a great listener and to be uh, that visionary that can communicate different aspects of of what a particular role or uh, initiative is. Uh, but it's well worth the time to, to keep practicing and to try to put yourself out there and to learn these things. Um, at, at least in my experience, it's, it served me very well. And uh, I was terrible at it in the early days. Uh, I guarantee if you found any one of my uh, past teammates, they would, uh, they would wholeheartedly tell you that. So, but thankfully I was able to, uh, to figure things out and, uh, and move past that and share some of my uh, bruised knees lessons uh, with other people. Well, and, and, you know, Caroline said it just a little while back here. If you listen to the people, they will tell you what you want. How many times have we been in places where people say they never listen to me? You know, they, they just, you know, they have no idea. And their whole mindset is what my mindset was when I worked in a fast food uh, place when I was young in college. And every day I was working, I was thinking, how can I quit? How can I quit? How can I quit? I was the entire time I was mm -hmm. strategically working on how I could actually quit my job. Um, and if people have that kind of a mindset because the culture is bad, because there's no communication, people don't listen to them. Leadership has fallen down. Then we have management without leadership. We go back to what Sarah brought up. We have people that are thrown into positions and they're, they do not have the tools or capabilities to do that job. Right, Sarah? Yeah. And, it's really incredible how much power simple phrases, as long as you mean them, um, really have. And, you know, I've worked with um, enough different leaders, uh, all at different levels. One thing that I do see pretty true with most people in management or leaders is, like you said about that other individual, about the the uh, store, they're fixers. So a lot of us, we see problems and we want to fix them. And what I see happening a lot is even if they are listening, they don't acknowledge that they're listening. And so I think that has as much impact, if not more, to listen and say, I hear you. That makes sense. I didn't think about it that way. I really appreciate your perspective and I want you to keep bringing things like this up. That 
you have just made that person stay. You have planted another seed of empowerment and growth in that individual so that they will come back and go, hey, I saw this. And you've turned that person that maybe their first time bringing a problem up, they were just saying, hey, here's a problem. Can you please fix it? Maybe the next time they'll be like, hey, here's a problem. I thought maybe we could do this or that to solve it. And it's those tiny little steps that if you just take the time as a leader and as as a manager to not just listen to complaints and fix them, but engage with them and go, oh, wow, like that's a really smart idea. I really appreciate that. I, it has so much power. It's incredible. Well, I've got to jump on that because I love what you said. It's amazing point, Sarah. And that is if you compliment somebody and you repeat back to them and you give value to what they said to you, they know you're listening. You're not a good listener. And I have done this, by the way, so I'm not pointing the finger at other people. When you are so busy listening to answer instead of listening to actually add value and be part of the conversation, everybody knows. Sarah, you're saying that to me and I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I did? I went and I did this. Okay. So I hear, I hear what you, I hear what you're saying. I've got it. I know what you're saying, but you know what I did? And, you know, then you're thinking, okay, they, they could care less about what I'm saying, right, Scott? Yeah, I think everyone should be a motivational listener, personally. <laughs> uh, Me I, too. Nice plug. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and this is, you know, again, this is jumping right to a, a solution. This is something that I recommend for every leader, every manager at every level that you have regular one-on-one -on -one meetings with every one of your direct reports. And uh, it could be weekly, monthly, quarter. It needs to be often enough. Uh, and it's a, and the length of the time needs to be sufficient. So there you go that, for the formula. But the deal is, is that you need to put it on a calendar. You need to, to meet with them and you need to, it needs to be a, whole of information from your employee. This is not your opportunity to push information and direct them, right? So if I, I report to Dave and Dave, we get together and if Dave, he pulls out a notebook and this is what I did. I had a notebook for every employee. Dave pulls out a notebook and he said, oh, okay, Scott, uh, last time you said, here's what was going on and here's some things that were in your way. Here's some things that were going good. Uh, what else is going on, right? So he's pulling some, he's pulling from me and I'm going, well, I've got this project and I've got these things and well, I'm having some hard time with this person or I, I'm, I, I, this bit of information, whatever it is. Right. And Dave's just writing it down. Okay. Great. 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 You know, what would you, what, what do you think I can do to help or what would, what would make it better for you? Right. Take notes. Next time we get together. All right. Here's the thing, Scott. Right. And, and it's all a, pull of information out of me to to Dave to my to my leader to my manager and here's the deal if we meet you know we're out there on the work floor and Dave and I are talking and we've covered everything and then it comes time for our weekly scheduled meeting and we go like no well, I think we pretty much cover everything I'm not going to meet with Dave um, when it comes to the 360 review time I'm going to say Dave never listens to me because if it's not on the calendar and that appointment kept, it never happened. Well, that is a great point as always, Scott. <laughs> you know, this is one thing that I have learned by listening to Scott. This is how I learn half of the things that I do. I just sit back and listen to Scott because he's full of so much wisdom. And, you know, today, listen, I, uh, you know, from all of you, uh, Sarah, we've known each other the shortest amount of time of everybody here, but I, I listen and I learn so much and I gain so much value from each one of you about what you're talking about. You know, as we've talked about culture, we've talked about 
listening and adding value to people. We've talked about leading people and that's the best way to manage people is lead them the direction and they will follow you. And then making sure and following up and taking action. Bob has said earlier that leadership is action. When people see you taking action on the things that they brought up or the points that they said, they're thinking this person really listens to me. They really care and they want to work for you or with you or be part of the organization. And I think those things are so critical. So in wrapping up things, and I'm going to let each of you give your gold nugget um, and how to get in touch with you. We're going to start with Sarah. But before Sarah, you go, I was just going to say this whole conversation about leadership versus management or leadership and management. Just remember the things we talked about today, that everybody is a leader that if you're in a place of management and influence over people, you need to listen, add value, and really lead by example. And you need to grow with your people because you're not perfect. We're all not perfect in what we're doing. And when we learn, everybody gets better. And I think it's Craig Groeschel that says, when the leader gets better, everybody wins. And if you guys have not listened to Craig Groeschel, he's an amazing not only pastor, but leadership expert. He hangs out with people like John Maxwell. Uh, got a pretty good crowd going there. And I love that. Every show, every podcast he does, he says, when the leader uh, gets better, everybody wins. And we're going to start with you, Sarah. Let's give your gold nuggets. And then how do people get in touch with you? Go ahead. Yeah, I think this was a really wonderful uh, discussion. And yeah, I could I could talk all day about it. Um, but But for me what I find is most important. I think it, it can be exciting to talk about, you know, the upper levels of, you know, how do you storytell your vision and, you know, these tactics of leadership. And um, I think what gets glanced over a lot is how do you start the proper foundation with your team members, with your manager, with your direct reports. And what I've found through, you know, my almost eight years of management is actually my background in human-centered design showed me those fundamentals. Because when it all comes down to it, it's really between two people trying to work together, whatever relationship that they have. And there are very predictable ways that humans behave and react um, that they want validation, that they need this. And, you know, it's just really incredible what, you know, the right kind of questions and the right kind of conversations, if you put in that work at the beginning, it will just pay dividends for the rest of your relationship with that person. And that's what I really focus on with Lux Leadership Coaching is taking those human-centered principles and applying them in a way that is easy for anyone to do. Um, there was an individual early in the show who was asking, well, what do you do when you don't feel connected to your manager? You can do this to them. Um, it, it, it goes both ways. So if people are interested in learning more about human-centered leadership, um, I would absolutely love to talk to anybody. You can go to luxleadershipcoaching.com, L-U-X, leadership coaching. Um, there's a, a Calendly on there that you can book some time with me. We have some one-on-one -on -one and see if, you know, um, some sessions or how I could help you in your you know, advancement as a manager, or if you're struggling with a manager, um, I really love to, to help people uh, in those situations. Well, and you know, what I, what I really like about you, Sarah, is that you, even in our conversation here, you're very attentive, you're paying attention, you're leading by example, as you're teaching people about leadership, that draws people to you. And I want to thank you so much for today. And Dave, you're up next. I'm up next with my golden nugget. I you got uh, it. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I, I think one of the things that has come up a couple of times, and I'll I'll take things a bit more tactical because I think Sarah did uh, an amazing job of kind of uh, unpacking from uh, a different aspect. And you know, in my experience, one of the easiest ways to to kind of lose people right on your team is um, really the lack of follow through. 
and follow up. So we've talked about how do we connect with people? How do we build culture, active listening, all of those great things. And unfortunately, I've seen uh, many, many examples where that communication is happening. Uh, there's ideas being shared. And what often happens from the leadership and management perspective is that um, while you've got all of these uh, balls in the air, you've got all of these priorities that you're managing, you often um, don't necessarily do a great job of circling back with people on your team and giving them the follow-up and the follow-through on where are you at? Why are we still waiting for this particular thing, that particular thing? So, you know, that regular communication and, and just continuing to practice uh, getting out in front of people back to what Scott said, you know, getting those meetings uh, scheduled, getting team meetings scheduled and just overly, overly communicating. Um, I, I, I think you can't say it enough. You can't uh, communicate too much uh, in in pretty much every scenario that I've ever been a part of. Um, so the, the only thing I would say in terms of a, a word of caution from an over communication standpoint is that you 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 want to differentiate leadership from kind of the group leadership model. It's a whole nother conversation for a whole other day. So I won't go into that. <laughs> That's um, next but, show. It, yeah. But uh, for having me on uh, with you guys is amazing conversation. If anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, that's the best place to find me. I'm most active on this platform. You can also find me on our website, which I think somebody has scrolling somewhere. So um, yeah, thanks for the conversation. Always amazing to uh, to chat with you guys. I always learn something. So thank you. You bet. You bet. And Mr. D. Scott Smith, <laughs> you're wrapping it up. All right. So uh, communicate. You can find me at dscottsmith.com. No, the, 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 <laughs> key, like, wow. the key thing that I, you know, it's a gold nugget. It's just communicate, right? So the deal is what I found is the most common source of conflict in the office is a misalignment on project management fundamentals, scope, schedule, and resources. Good, faster, cheaper, right? What is, how, how much do we want to get into what quality level, uh, when do we need it done and how much can we spend or how many people can we put to it? And what happens is there, uh, we think, well, well, there's this great story, right? That has been shared around and it's pick your favorite uh, leader. And they tell this junior person to go do a project and they come and they bring it and they hand it. And they said, is this the best you can do? And I'm, well, no, I could probably do it. So they leave and they come back. And there's like three or four iterations of it. And pretty soon the person's like, this is as good as it's going to get. And it's like, then why didn't you do that the first time? Well, this is not a great story to tell. This is a great example of misalignment of project management fundamentals. This is like, I thought you wanted it now, but you wanted it better, right? Or I thought you wanted it cheap. I thought you didn't want to spend money on it. And this is the source of office conflict. So project management fundamentals, scope, schedule, and resources, make sure that you communicate and you're aligned on that. Now you can find me at dscottsmith.com. That's D for debonair. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I just want to echo the word alignment because I think alignment comes through communication and good communication comes through good listening and I will say this till I'm blue in the face, but I went, Scott and I graduated from Oregon State in 1987, the same day, the same ceremony. And in my five years at Oregon State University, yes, I was on the five-year plan. I had one class on listening and a whole bunch of classes on speaking. And I want to tell you that that is really the, the ratio of life. People are speaking 95% of the time and listening very little because most people are doing what I said before. And I've been, I get caught in that too. Listening to answer, not listening to add value and be part of the conversation. So I want to encourage everybody today. Remember you are a leader. All of us are. You're leading by example. Like Bob said earlier, it's leadership is action, right? Um, and I love what, um, I love what John Maxwell said. I didn't say this earlier, but he says leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. And the way you have influence over people and show them value is by listening 
and taking action on what they talk about, however that be, whether it's action in the conversation or whatever. So I want to thank all of you for being here today. Uh, what a blessing. I am at RussHedge.com. Best way to get a hold of me. We're just going to wrap up the show with all of us on screen again today. I appreciate each one of you. Uh, Bob had to leave early, but you know what? We love Bob. He'll be back, and uh, we'll have him again on another show. But until we see you again, which is every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time on Russ Reels Live, have a great day and a great life. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.